Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Event Tech Talk Show. I'm your host Adam Parry and joining me today is a very special guest, a guy who's got quite the history when it comes to event tech and events. Now with a new venture which he's here to tell us partly about but more importantly his vision of what events might look like in the future. Um, Lawrence, Lawrence welcome to the Event Tech Talk Show. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. No, I, I think um, I've admired you from a distance. I know we've interviewed you in the past on Event Industry News, and you've done some extremely great work in the industry and pushed, I think, back in the Double Dutch days, um, Event Tech really forward for the sector. Um, but that's not where you are now. Um, you're now. You've now launched a new company called Twine. Would you just tell me, and for those that don't know who've not come across Twine, what Twine's all about? Yeah, sure. So, so Twine is about bringing the the magic of serendipitous networking to virtual and hybrid events, and and like we're we're building this because um, I'm a terrible networker, right? And and so when I was a double dutch, I used to have to go to lots of events, and I'm really awkward. I'm 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 too tall. Uh, I I don't know how to enter conversations, how to exit. And so I started kicking around some ideas with some ex-double dutchers around how software can help with that problem. So that that's the quick background. So your own experience, I love this. When when people come and launch technology from their own experience, especially having maybe been in events, delivering events and things like that, it always seems to be to be so much more natural to use that technology. It seems so much there to fix a problem rather than just be there for the sake of being there. And by the sounds of it, that was your own experience, right? So you had, by the sounds of things, you had trouble kind of networking at events and things like that in the previous in previous years and and things like that. Is that the case? Yeah, I, I think that I think that's right. I think just speaking about entrepreneurship in general, like it's it's pretty powerful when you're working on your own problem because mm. startups tend to be like an eight year plus journey, and unless you're really passionate about it, you can run out of gas when things get hard. And the thing that keeps you from running out of gas is, is one of the things that keeps you is, is like solving your own problem and scratching your own itch, so to, so to speak. So what does, what does a perfect networking event look like to you? Um, obviously, technology plays a role in that. But you know, you're the organizer of the next biggest event, what do the networking opportunities look like to you? And, and what role does technology play in that? Yeah, I, I mean, let me let me tell you a story. Um, and this it's kind of a personal story. So um, there was a period at Double Dutch, it was about 30 days, and I stepped down as the CEO. Uh, and I remember I was in I was in Greece, and I was supporting one of our customers. And I was like chief evangelist or something for like 30 days. And then I came back to the CEO spot, like long, long story there. And so I was I was supporting this event um, in Greece, and it was with WPP, and the event is called Stream, and it's actually one of my favorite events ever. And and there was a like a midnight bonfire on the beach, and so imagine like the, the Greek uh, kind of the Mediterranean, and the weather is perfect, and you're on the sand, and you're surrounded by all these people, and I'm having a beer, and I'm and I'm by the fire, and by myself, and I'm. And I'm feeling really introspective and sad and, and, and like, I'm feeling sad because like, um, yeah, I'm feeling sad for a lot of reasons. And this guy walks up to me and he's like, Hey, Hey man, what's going on? You want, like, you, you want to talk? And, uh, I started talking about him and I told him the whole story of why I had stepped down. And, um, and he's like, well, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do next? And, 
And I, st I started sharing some ideas I had about what the next company could look like, actually elements of twine. Um, and he started asking so many incredible questions and, and, 45 minutes later, we're, we're two beers in and it's 1 a.m. and it's it's the beach and there's a fire and I'm starting to feel like there can be a next chapter for me. And and so it was like it was unplanned. So what made that so magical? Like the guy, um, the guy wasn't trying to get something from me. He was there. He was asking me questions. He cared about me. Um he was smart. He was relevant. He was, it turns out he was an entrepreneur from Turkey. He was working on some sort of food, um, food software business. And I learned all that much later, but the, the elements were unplanned, magical, non-transactional, um, deeply important topics. Uh, and so uh, yeah, that was actually one of the inspirations, right? So I'll, I'll stop there because I'm kind of rambling on this. But um, you think about these magical moments where you meet someone unexpected and they've ch they change your perspective in some way. And how can software help deliver that? So, yeah, your own experience and of, of networking, that's what's driven you by the sounds of things to launch Twine. Um, I guess in terms of where, where do you think virtual events are going when it comes to networking? Because that seems to me like the most important part of the opportunities that presented us now with all the platforms that have come along. People's experience, I think more importantly, people are now used to attending virtual events. It seems to me like it's that evolution of people connecting on LinkedIn and all of these other platforms, but in a more meaningful way, right? Do you, what, what does the evolution of a virtual event from a networking standpoint look like to you? Oh man. So, so that's the, that's the billion dollar question, right? So like, I, I think as an entrepreneur, you, you look for these moments, you look for the moments when suddenly the rules of the past don't hold for the future. And so what I think is happening here, I think we have a trillion dollar industry that's resetting and it's trying to figure out how it's going to operate for the next chapter. So you, I, I think we can break all of events down into three, three chapters, right? Like one is sort of pre COVID Two is COVID and three is post COVID. And for three, like, I don't think any of us know what's going to happen when, when everyone is vaccinated and, and everywhere is fully open again, what are attendees going to want to do? Are they going to want to jump on a plane? Are they going to want to tap on a link? How, are they going to be shaking hands? Like I'm struggling right now. I'm supposed to go to MPIWEC in two weeks in Vegas. And like, do I bring business cards? Is that mm -hmm. kind of gross to be passing out? So like, even the most basic assumptions are um, are kind of like uh, up for grabs right now. So what do you think is going to happen? I mean, let me turn this around on you. I think we really have to plan for multiple eventualities, right? Like just like a restaurant, you don't go to a restaurant and there's one meal on the menu unless it's known for that one particular thing, right? And maybe they just do lobster rolls. But there are those places. And I think there will be those events that are still pure play virtual events. But I think over the last 12 months, the, the generations that have lived through this, the way that they perceive the world and the way that they interact and their expectations when it comes to events have now massively changed. I really think it will depend on what type of event and what type of audience member you're trying to attract to that event will be the way that we engage with those people or the way that they engage with our event. I think um, from a content learning perspective, people like that opportunity to be able to just dial in get the access to the content it's fast it's speed it's efficient it's cost effective um jump back out there are so many of us in the industry 
that uh, so many of us in business sorry that want to go to an event because of those networking opportunities um and i think now technology can amplify that opportunity i think there's an argument for sustainability for cost for pricing all that kind of stuff and there are some events i think that let's face it like if you're going to go to the basketball or a baseball game or a football game to be in the crowd to be in the in in the seats and, and watching that game there's there's going to be nothing to replace that from a business perspective though for me looking at it from a let's say a publisher and a marketer's kind of side of things i think the opportunity for events to leverage technologies like twine and others that are out there in order to find real meaningful connections and build relationships is going to be really really important going forward we are not going back from from this now um we are going to be relying on these technologies to do business more efficiently more successfully meet the right people and get out of email right like we meet so many people over like a, a linkedin message and then a and then a whatsapp or a or an email and things like that and that's not real relationships we, we can't build relationships over those kind of mediums we build relationships by connecting people on a human and face-to-face and -face level right um and now i'm really hopeful that technology will play a, a massive role in giving us the ability to do that um that's probably a really long-winded rambly also answer to your to your question there um it's no no so that, that's good let me pick up those threads so like um let me share with you the bets that I'm making as an entrepreneur in this very high uncertainty environment. So one big bet that I'm making is that there will be no single event tech platform to rule them all for the next mm -hmm. chapter. Why is that? Because the, the spectrum of experiences has just gotten expanded, right? You can get, you can have a fully virtual experience. You can have a fully in-person experience. You can have a mix. You can have an event that does not, start and end in three days. It, it expands over three weeks or four weeks. So suddenly like the kinds of experiences um, have gotten so different. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so, so different that I, I don't think there's going to be a single vendor like Cvent pre pandemic. That's going to be able to do everything. I just don't. Yeah. So the bet that I'm making is that we're going to focus on being a tool in the toolkit, do one thing really, really well and, and work on plugging into other systems. So that that's, that's one bet. Another scary bet that we're making is that virtual is not going to go away. In fact, it might even be the foundation. I, I see larger audiences in virtual than I see returning to in-person. I, I think there's going to be a strong in-person bounce back, but I think there's going to be a larger audience because of the accessibility reasons, because of the, 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 the more efficient time usage, because of the ability to, to multitask. All those things are attractive to busy people. Um, parents the ability to attend an event without leaving your kid for a couple of days right so the bet that we're making is we're starting with virtual and hybrid and then we're going to figure out how to slot in person back in so these are scary bets like we get these things wrong and like we're probably dead um how do those bets sound to you do you, do you think that there's a world for multiple tools mix and match at, at events yeah i do i think um i think the platform ecosystem that we have presented today has, has massively changed over the last 12 months. It was platforms were very isolated. They were very locked down. And I think there are places for, let's call them the all-in-one platforms. You know, some people just want that ability to have everything in one ecosystem and deploy that, and that works for them. But that doesn't necessarily work for the attendee. And one of the things that I see being broken down or, or the problem is that, 
every time I go to a new event, I have to sign up and create new accounts. And I can't take those connections with me. They live in, in, in within that ecosystem. Now, some people are making the, the kind of the community platform play. That's absolutely fine. I get that. But Bevy, swap card, these kinds yeah. of companies. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, that will work for certain organizers and certain events and, and certain communities. But what I see at the moment is I go to each event. I'm having to reconnect it with my community elsewhere. That community doesn't live with me. It's not like WhatsApp or, or Facebook. These things live on my phone and I can keep in touch with those communities on those in, in those ways and then jump into groups and events and other things within those as well. So I think... And I'll be honest with you, I don't think platforms can continue to constantly invest and be the best at everything. They're going to have to level the playing field. You could be the best at what you do because of your laser focus on doing that job really, really well and actually be a benefit to them and a huge advantage to them by plugging into them. There's, a, there's another company out there. I'm going to give them a, a shout out called Twig, who's got a very similar ethos to you, but just purely on the registration play, right? So they're like, why does everybody have to continually go through all these registration forms, complete the same information over and over and over and over again? It doesn't make sense. It's not like it's not logical. And there's a real case for that. Let me chime in on that. I, I, so right now, uh, again, going back to the MPIWC, like I wish there was a way to log in with my LinkedIn or my Twitter and see who do I know that's going. And like, sounds really simple, not possible to do. And it's not MPI's fault because they don't capture LinkedIn and Twitter for every like attendees don't want to put that in every time they register. And so there's a very clear case for a single registration system that is like authentication for every event. The value given to attendees would be so much higher because I would know who I know that's there. Right. So it would limit my pre-work. Um, yeah. So one little simple example of like all this fragmented silos, like it, it makes it for a worse attendee experience. Yeah. And why are we still completing the same five demographic questions at every single event that we go to like why can't we have that google like autofill scenario universal and, profile for events i want that yeah, is twig I, doing that can i uh, hello twig can i sign up for that you can you can um, they are they are in beta at the moment um they they have a great team um and, and just to just to the other point on the mpi side of things there is actually a company at the moment called Glean In that allows you to register with LinkedIn. And then if you log back into their dashboard, you can see anybody else that's registered. We're using that on EventSec Live at the moment. Um, but again, not highly well known in the States. They're, they're kind of big here in the UK and things like that. But again, they are they are they sit agnostically, they work with all registration providers, they help the organizer and the attendee do a job really, really well. It's not about being that one it's us or nobody kind of thing. They play nicely with, with everybody. So I think on your first point, I think that's a great way to go because I think you'll be able to iterate faster. You'll be able to be laser focused on what you do and do it extremely well rather than develop kind of these external or other features just because you feel that you need to have this all-encompassing platform. So I think I think on, on point one, it's a great way to go. On your second point, I believe that there will be an explosion of virtual events because I believe we are it's kind of an evolution of the webinar, right? There, will, there are going to be lots of companies use virtual events to talk to their communities and talk to their audiences. Um, I think what's even more interesting and similar to what we've done here is we have launched 
Event Tech Live US as a pure play virtual event in its first edition. The re the, there's a number of reasons for that. One is that obviously physical events aren't quite back yet. But secondly, it's an extremely effective and fast way to launch and bring a community into, into an event and bring people together without the high risk of venue closures or venue costs or catering. It's an extremely sustainable way to do something. And I think it's a it's an inclusive way to do something. So again, you know, we we are going the same route as you. We are going to go into a hybrid event, but at the moment, the virtual is a very effective way to launch, from what I can see. Others would argue differently, though. Are you hearing the same? Others are arguing that like virtuals already had its day. Yeah, I haven't. I actually haven't heard anyone say that. I haven't heard any organizers say that. I. I think organizers like the reach. They like the low overhead. They like the analytics. They like um, there's a lot there's a lot to like, right? Um, and there's stuff that like just because the pandemic is over, we shouldn't we shouldn't give up all of these better ways to do things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I I used to be on a plane every week, and now I'm not, and like that's better, right? <laughs> so like there there should be there should be some learnings. I hope as a society we don't just forget the good that came out of the pandemic. Um, I think from an attendee perspective, I, I know that there's this, this pent up, it's like, we've been in this long winter, right. As humans, right. We've been in this long winter and like, we're social animals and like, um, and like, we want to get back out there. And I, I don't know if that strength of bounce back is going to, is, is just going to overwhelm everything. And if it's going to last and sustain, um, and then it'll, it'll feel comfortable because it'll feel like the old world. So I, I think the attendee behavior is the thing that I'm least less clear about. Like, it's almost like when you build a consumer business, like there's a bit of magic. You don't know what people are going to like. Like, why did Facebook take off and any of the other 100 other social networks did not, right? Like there's a, there's some magic in there that is hard to understand. Um, and I think it's going to be the same with what attendees end up doing. Um, and I think organizers like yourself will, will have like – those first in-person events back, are they going to be worth it? <laughs> like, I think there's a lot of pressure and, and that will define probably what the influencers are saying on social media about, are we, are we bouncing back hard? Or are we, are we going to kind of just, you know, do a little more online? Uh, so I don't know. A lot. I don't know. I think it creates opportunity though. So let's look at where people are like here in the UK, huge amount of the population centered in London, capital city. It's where all the work is. It's where people go to offices and all this kind of stuff. But now people have moved away. They're kind of branching out and, and kind of maybe living up north, which we class as the, you know, the, the more cost effective center of the UK to live. That for me, and, and that's in a small country like the UK, bigger countries across Europe and all that kind of stuff. The further you're away, the harder it is to attend certain events, but the easier it is to attend others that might have been logistically challenging there, right? So like if I moved to the Middle East, would I go from the UK to the Middle East on a regular basis to attend the same event? Probably not. If I lived in that location, it might happen the opposite. So we might get an a, a rebalance of attendees I see of going, well, I'm not now going to that event because it's logistically more challenging for me, but now I'm more localized to this community and these events, so I'm actually going to attend those. So you kind of get like a crossover of people yes. going to new new experiences and new events. I think that might happen as well. But I, I think, think that's such an interesting thread. Uh, can I jump in there? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. This is so, so as I think about the, what are the things that we know are going to be lasting? So remote work, right? Um, I just saw a study that um, 
something like 40% of employees will quit if they're forced to go back in the office five days a week. And I don't remember if this is just Bay Area or if it's all the U.S. I don't think it's global. Um, and so leases are getting canceled. Office spaces are getting reduced. People are moving away, uh, particularly millennials are saying, I want to I work from New York. I want to work from Miami. I want to work from Belize or, or like whatever, right? Um, twine, it, like I used to be an old school, like I was proud. I never missed a day of work in seven years. And I would be sick on the couch and, and like embarrassing. Looking back, like I'm embarrassed for myself, right? Yeah. Uh, but now we're building this one totally remote, no office space. What, we're, what we've decided to do is to do a killer offsite every quarter. So like- Playa del Carmen or Tulum or Hawaii, like we're going to, because we're not spending money on leases, we're going to have an amazing offsite once a quarter, bring people together. And so in that context, what does that mean for events? Will people be more thirsty to have these three-day bursts of human interaction if they're living somewhere remote? Maybe. I mean, that could lift up in-person event experiences. So it's so complex and there's so many different forces, macro forces in flux right now. I think we'd both be lying to say we know what's going to happen. No, I don't think. Well, nobody knew the pandemic was coming, so nobody knows the future, right? We can predict. We can draw on past experience. I want to throw another one that I've been thinking at you recently. And people get into the habit of going to the same event, the same business operation team. It's the same regional five people, two people, or it's, I don't know, it's, it's Debbie in marketing that's always gone to this one particular event every single year. And it excludes the rest of the business from it because the funds might not be there to send everybody that it's relevant to on the team, but Debbie's always been for that for the, for the last five years. So to take her out and not allow her to go to that event seems somewhat, because events to some people are perks, right? They're perks of the job, they're like going because of all the things that associate with them. That hybrid model powered by networking now creates a more inclusive opportunity for more of the wider business or wider business operations to get involved in an event themselves and maybe even a way to switch out. So it's Debbie one year and maybe it's Jim the next year, but they can still keep involved. They can still keep connected with that community. They can still do the education, the learning. And that way it's a shared experience rather than it just being about one person who always goes to that one event. I, I, do you have what do you think about that? Because that's something that I've thought about for like the last couple of weeks of the advantages of now of, of this hybrid model. Yeah, no, there's something very cool there. Like the community building itself, the ability to like, like there's some events in my career I've been very close to. There's an event in the SEO world called PubCon. Mm-hmm. And if I missed an in-person event, there were once a year, I, I'd start to slip out of that world. And, um, and sometimes I'd miss it, but the the ability to stay close because events are communities. I know this was a thing we were going to debate, but like they just are like the people that I know from IMAX, like it's a community. It's not like my family, but it's like people that I know and they're I, like I care about them. Um, so the ability to, to continually engage with the, your people as an event owner, um, whether they can make it in person or not. I think that's super powerful. And and we have already talked about the reach that's possible with virtual. And like, you can imagine accelerating those communities, making them stronger because you can touch them more. Uh, You can have more chances to interact with them. Um, You can reach more people. So I I really like what Bevy and to some extent Swapcard is doing with their messaging. I think it's really smart. I I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but it feels like community is going to have a role in that. Um, So yeah, I think there's something there. 
I absolutely agree with you. And I think, you know, LinkedIn's done very well at building up like group communities. Event Manager Blog's done a fantastic job of building one of the uh, arguably the largest event prof community on LinkedIn. And now having the tools as an organizer to bring your community together is really interesting. But then I would like, are you a community organizer? Are you a community facilitator? Are you a publisher? Are you a content creator? Yeah. The one thing that does fear me a little bit, and this is the way that possibly technology platforms and, and solutions have had a bad rep in the past is people implement a community platform for their community and think that once they build it, they will come automatically and don't actually think about the way that they need to resource it properly and the way that pure, real communities are built and facilitated by the people that are in those communities. And maybe we're just going to get a lot of community platforms that are kind of like tumbleweed because they're launched and then there's nobody really in there. Kind of like we've seen it over and over again, haven't we? People launch forums on websites. We've got a forum, like start talking. And it's just, there's just nothing. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a, a pessimist a little bit. I, I think some communities will do extremely well. I think there are existing communities around events that need a home, that need a platform to communicate and keep in touch. Um, yeah, the tech is only one piece. I, right now, um, one of the most competitive hires in business is community manager because everyone's realized, oh, it'd be so great to have a community of folks that are engaged around our brand. Like, yes, that would be great, but it's actually really hard work and there's magic in there. And you don't know why some communities work and some don't. And it's not just the tech and all the things you just said. I totally agree. How do you see Twine playing a role in that then? Do you see you being a proponent of a community platform and helping the continuation of that conversation? Or are you just about the events? Yeah, no, we want to, we want to help. Um, I think like there's something interesting about sort of pre-event networking from, from a number of angles. Like I, I wish there was a pre-event meetup for, for WEC in a virtual meetup, just so I can meet some folks before I let touch down in, in Vegas. Right. Like it, it makes sense. I, I know there's a woman working on a, a company that I just spoke to. Her name is uh, Laurence, uh, and she is working on a company. Oh, man, I'm dropping the name. But anyway, it's around safety for women attendees. And the idea is that if women attendees have wing women or partners uh, or friends to, 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 that they know are going to be there, they'll be more likely to go. So she's trying to solve two problems. One is the fear women attendees have of going to, a, particularly in male-dominated environments, um, and then the second is like getting more people to the event. So it's a multi-sided problem. So I think there's something interesting there that Twine can help with. We're, you know, just this week we worked with um, the Event Leadership Institute and we did a pre-event networking session yesterday. It went really well. Um, I think the missing piece is that it's going to go even better if, if there is an in-person component because that's that there's a real incentive to do the pre-event stuff if you're going in person because you want to get your ROI and you want to you want to have good connections there. Um so yes, Twine, we're interested in pre-event, post-event, extending the shelf life of, of brief events um, using mini meetups. Awesome. Let me just dig into one of the things. I, I think, um, first of all, put me in touch with, was it Laurent? That you, it was yes. Name? That sounds like a really interesting conversation. I'd love to have that with her because that's a, clearly a problem and it's something that needs solving. So I'd be interested to talk to her. Um, but on your the point that you made about like creating moments in time pre and post event for people to connect up. So when they actually get to that event, 
they're involved, they're connected, they already have start of relationships, they feel comfortable kind of being there, right? In your experience then, how for the organizers maybe that are watching or listening this, listen to this back, what's the best way to kind of design those experiences? Is it, can you just use the technology and kind of throw people into room or does it have to be a bit more thought in there? Can you, can you give any advice around that? Because I know that'd be really valuable. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing a couple things. So we're seeing that the, the opening act matters. So a lot of times the, the, the pre-event networking can't just be tap a link and start kind of going. Like people need to be warmed up. And the way they're warmed up is usually by content, uh, by a, a mini celebrity from their world providing some insights and some content. They're kind of like the, the honey that gets people to show up and learn something. And then, yeah, I'll stay around and meet a couple people. So that's a best practice. Um, we're seeing some signs of people wanting to gamify this, like a leaderboard of who, who've, who's met the most people. You know, we, we have a customer now that's, that's dropping in like a mystery guest into the networking and whoever meets with that mystery guest wins a prize. And that's kind of fun. It's a little like Among Us, that game, you know, like it's like there's a not an assassin, hopefully, but someone who's like you'd be excited to meet, uh, get suddenly get matched with, right? Um, so I, I think there's a lot of insights to be learned from uh the gaming world like i know our product designers is going deep with like um kind of rocket league and uh you know um uh you know uh, uh fortnite around the transitions of like okay before you get dropped into the game there's there's some there's some warm-up period where you're testing your gear you're getting loose you're seeing what the competition looks like and obviously it's not competitive uh, until death when you network, but it's like just getting warmed up is a, there's a lot of subtleties there. So we're, we're learning as we go as well. And a lot of times we're learning from our customers. I love, I love the gaming analogies. And, and for anybody that doesn't know the game that um, Lawrence just mentioned there, um, it's, it's basically somebody in disguise, right? Is the um, among us, the, yeah. among us. Yeah. It's somebody in the room is unknown to be the one that everybody else needs to kind of capture. That's the, that's the concept, right? Exactly. Exactly. So let me, let me dig into, I'm, I'm glad you're going into the, um, it's really interesting that you're going into the gaming world because they have seen some, so much huge success um, I mean, even Fortnite, they've done their own events, right? And brought huge amounts of community together and built up to that point, warming people up, as, as you quite rightly put it. And I guess the gaming analogy is interesting because, you know, game developers have been doing this for years. They don't just throw you into the main action, did they? They give you the kind of the base level of the training of like, here's an easy level to get you guys started so you kind of understand how everything works and get get you into it and get you comfortable and then throw all the baddies at you and, and make your life difficult after that. So that leads me on to a really interesting, well, it's an interesting question to me anyway. Do you think we'll see the technology be able to understand the level that somebody's at in terms of maybe experience when it comes to networking and put them with, I'll give you an example. It's not necessarily putting them with people that are also inexperienced, but I went to a SISO event in Miami a couple of years ago. And I think one of the things that I took away from that event that was really good is they put me with an they put me with an experienced attendee. And that made the huge difference to my experience around that event. Do you think that'll be the same when it comes to kind of that online networking side? Totally. We were just speaking about this with our engineers yesterday. Cause like within Twine, we know how many Twines everyone in our system has done, right? And we know if you've if you've had seven matches, if you've had 50 matches. And there's something to be said with matching a newbie uh, 
with an experienced hand who can walk them through the UI, walk them through what they're supposed to do, demonstrate best community practices, all those kinds of stuff. And then if you follow that thread, you're like, well, why shouldn't there be like a little badge? Like when I jump on, people should know that I'm a newbie. Clubhouse does this, right? They they signal who's the newbie and then, you know, that'll tell the moderator if they need to give like reset the room and give all the guidelines and all that kind of stuff. And so it's easy to follow that trail of like all the benefits that can be had if you know who the experienced folks are and who they're be- who the beginner folks are. So definitely, definitely interested in exploring where that goes. My last question for you then, if you if you had a big blue ball, and I know you've 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 probably thought already to ten years in the in in the future. I'm 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 hoping that's where you are as a as a founder of a company. Where do you think we're going when it comes to to networking at events? Like, do you see it evolving much, or do you see it as a gradual evolution of where we are today? Yeah. So let me start with. Um, some some high level observations. So I believe that virtual networking has the ability to be 20x better than in-person networking. And there's there's obvious reasons for that. Like the most obvious is that location is not a factor. So the idea that the best person for you to meet, maybe they're not even at the event, maybe they're at the other side of like the Las Vegas Convention Center. Like there's lots of barriers to keep you from meeting that person. But with virtual software can kind of overcome those barriers. So so right there, efficiency, better matches, like virtual should crush in person. Now there's some things we need to solve with virtual, like like, can I look you in the eyes on a virtual experience? Like very unclear, like where's your camera, right? Like there's like that kind of stuff. There's there's not the the vibe, the music, the energy, the all that stuff which humans respond to that can make them more open to a quality new connection or a quality networking uh, experience. And I know this sounds a lot like dating and it actually is a lot like dating. I think we talked about, you can learn from the gaming world, but you can also learn from the dating world on this kind of stuff. Um, so, so that's the first observation that virtual today has the potential to be 10, 20 X better than in-person networking. The second observation is that in-person networking has not really evolved at all. And, and, and the best networking experience that I've been to in person have all been about segmentation. So I'll throw out Web Summit. So I, I went to an event with Web Summit in New Orleans and Web Summit is all about entrepreneurs, right? It's all about founders. And I was invited, I had this personalized track and I was invited to this networking session at a bar and everybody in the bar was at a similar stage to Double Dutch, which is like ridiculous growth, dealing with hiring 25, 40 people a week, dealing with all their systems breaking because they're growing so fast, dealing with angry investors who want you to go even faster. And it was amazing. And it was amazing because everybody in the room was had my same problems. So I, I think that's the best right now that in-person networking can do is find ways to segment the like-minded people and put them in their own room. <laughs> and, and that's still basic, basic stuff. Like the real technological innovations for in-person networking have yet to happen. And that's, it's going to be augmented reality in some way. It's the ability to combine the power of digital with the in-person magic of being able to feel the music and the vibe and look someone in the eye. But if you also are armed with little icebreaker connections, like, oh, you and Adam both know Dahlia, you know, like some sort of like, just give me something, give me something in common to make that approach a little easier. Like, I think that's going to be the game changer for for in-person. 
I think virtual is going to benefit a lot from VR, which if you can make it more immersive, I mean, imagine a world where we all have haptic suits and we can feel the, the beat of the music uh, in our suit and we can feel temperature changes and we can like all that stuff is going to make for a more like a full 360 view. You can see other conversations happening around you. I think again, gaming is pushing the envelope there. Uh, so I, I think there's still wins to be had in virtual, but I think virtual networking uh, today has the potential to be far better. Yeah. I have to agree with a lot of the points that you made there. I think what I would say is my feelings about virtual reality or, or kind of plugging myself into an event and having that immersive experience is probably ultimately driven on mass for it to make sense for an event organizer to invest in that is probably uh, and it really makes sense. I'm not talking about walking around a 3D environment on your laptop. I'm actually being like plugged in like an Oculus and having an, an amazing time because like you said, there's haptics, there's other things. For me, that feels maybe some way off because I think that technology availability is driven by adoption, which is driven by companies like Samsung and Apple and Microsoft yes. and all these kind of companies making it really accessible and cheap for us to, to have. Totally. And then there's a volume of people that can just plug themselves into it and it makes sense. There's no additional costs or anything like that. We've talked about this for years at Event Tech Live. I think one of the things that I see coming into play just on that side of things though is probably AR and, a and, and people being able to opt in so that me and you could walk around an event with maybe some Apple AR glasses on or, some, uh, or, or our device. And that actually help us identify who in the room makes sense. So even in that Web Summit room, like who are the three people on the top of the list that you should actually meet out of the 50, I don't know how many there were, but let's say there was 50, 100, whatever. You could easily still speak to the wrong people, right? You could easily waste your time just with that one person that like me that won't shut up and not meet the actual two or three people. But if technology and information and data can play a role in that and, and we have the technology on us to be able to identify that, I think that's a really interesting future vision for those networking style events and making meaningful connections at things. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that you're, you're right to raise privacy. So like 2014, you know, we had a brilliant CTO at Double Dutch. His name is Nick Clark. He's a friend of mine. He was showing me what was possible just with Bluetooth, right? Like just with mm -hmm. Bluetooth and the Double Dutch app installed, you could see what people were around you with, within, you know, 30 feet or, or whatever, right? And like, and you could say, okay, there's their picture we, I know this person's in direct proximity. Do I want to go talk to them? And it was having like this little intel. We could never roll that out at any of our customer events because privacy, right? Like you don't want the exec to accidentally leave that feature on and suddenly be in the wrong hotel room and all like all this stuff. And like, there's all sorts of disastrous things that could happen. And, you know, event planners are risk averse uh, as they should be. So it feels like the big innovations there have to happen on the consumer side from the, from the Facebooks and the Snapchats and, um, and eventually it'll make ourselves it make make their ways over to our world. But, um, yeah. but yeah, a lot is already possible without the big platform shift, just using Bluetooth and a phone. Yeah, absolutely. Lawrence, thank you very much for coming on. I'm going to already say today is the what third of June. I want you back on in six to 12 months. We're probably going to pick this conversation up again. I'm sure not only twine but the industry will have moved on leaps and bounds in that time period i'm really excited to see what you guys delivered i think having the experience of double dutch behind you um 
probably lucky in the sense that you know kind of all the mistakes to avoid and all that kind of stuff and what really truly matters when it comes to an, an event platform I think it's really interesting um for anybody that wants to kind of connect up with you kind of where's the, where, where do you hang out is it linkedin is it twitter where's the best place to, to grab you yeah twitter's good i'm just lawrence coburn on twitter um and uh you know my email is lawrence at twine.nyc i always like to talk shop with folks so feel free to hit me up one interesting question because you mentioned it earlier what did you decide on the Q, on, the, on the business cards? Are you going to go to the next event with business cards? Are you going to are you going to look for something else to kind of share? In yeah. So my, you know, my Slack channel right now is blowing up because the team is sort of debating this. Like one thing we're talking about is just like, what if we just did QR code stickers on the back of our phone and just flash it, and uh, as opposed to handing out cards with QR codes, like that seems to be where the team is headed because anything with a business card is just so old school. It's like a handshake, right? Um, so we're open debate, but if you want to follow the drama, feel free to jump into my Twitter. There's lots of uh, opinions on this. So. Yeah, I think I might have suggested QR tattoos, QR code tattoos or something like that, which is probably going to get loads of people in trouble. Fairly <laughs> good to me. Um, Lawrence, thank you very much for coming on today. Guys, if you're listening to this on replay or you're watching, come and check Lawrence out actually at Event Tech Live. He's hosting a great session on how to build event attendance using technology like Twine and other networking opportunities. If you've listened to this back and have missed out on that session, reach out to Lawrence and the team at Twine Direct. I'm sure they'll be happy to kind of share their knowledge and their experience and their advice with you as well. See you in the next one. Thanks, Adam. See you.